I'm going to bring you our reading before Steve comes to speak to us. It's from um, Acts 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared as at Azotus and travelled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Kylie. It's great to see you today uh, here in church and uh, those of you who are joining us at home online. And uh, I'm particularly pleased today as I look around to see people from a number of nations who are here uh, because of circumstances. Because today is um, World Refugee Day and uh, I want to say that people who have come to this nation and come into our fellowship as a result of having to leave their country have so enriched our lives, and we really, really appreciate you. And uh, thank you for being our brothers and sisters. And uh, it's good to see uh, Daniel and Navid here, to, uh, sorry, Navid and, and Monica today, uh, who are going to be confirmed tonight. And um, I've not asked your permission, but you've shared this story before. I'm going to share a little bit of your story. So they came to Nottingham to, uh, to study, and, uh, well, for Monica to study, Navid looking for work, went to a, an Iranian restaurant, which is run by people who come to this church, uh, Ali and Mariam, asking for work. Was given a job and uh, said, are you Christians? And they said, yes, we're Christians. And uh, through that, uh, they came to this church. You came to this church, didn't you? And it began a long journey. Well quite a long journey, an intense journey of inquiry about the Christian faith. And uh, they became Christians, and they're being confirmed tonight. They were baptized here. Isn't that wonderful? And it's just one of those, uh, it's a story about how thing, one thing just leads on to another. 
and how if we're traveling along with the Holy Spirit guiding us, it's amazing what can happen. And really, that's what this story is about today uh, as we delve into Acts chapter 8. And um, this is about a guy who is described as an evangelist. He is Philip the Evangelist. And so many of you will be sitting there thinking, well, this is clearly not for me. I'm not an evangelist. And, you know, we, there are evangelist types, aren't there? There, there? there are people who, if you spend any time with them, they're, they're forever telling people about Jesus. And you think, how did that happen? And you think, well, that's not really me. But I just want to encourage you to travel with me through this passage and see that there is a lot here for us, for all of us, ordinary Christians. And it's about how God works. This is the next phase of the gospel moving out from Jerusalem to Judea to, to, to Samaria, which is where Philip was at the start of this chapter, to the ends of the earth. And this is the first story of an African becoming a Christian. And um, we often think about the white man taking the gospel to Africa in the 19th century or, or whatever. But actually, there's always been a Christian presence in Africa. And most of the evangelism in Africa has been done by Africans. And you know, Christianity is not a white man's religion. Christianity started out centered in Jerusalem, in the Middle East. Yeah, it moved to Rome. And I guess for a period of time, its center has been in Europe. Uh, but it's no longer. Where is the center of Christianity now? Well, it's probably Africa, maybe South America. <clears throat> the greatest number of Christians is in China, where, which has tried to suppress Christianity for, for decades. So it's not a white man's religion. This is the gospel reaching more and more people. And today we think about it coming to Africa. This guy, is described as an Ethiopian official in the court of Kandake. Now, Kandake uh, is, is not a name. It's a title. It's a title of a, well, next thing to a queen, the sister of the king of Kush, modern-day Sudan. So you can forget Ethiopia. There has been a Christian presence in Ethiopia since the early days of Christianity. But actually, this person probably is from modern-day Sudan. And he's been to Jerusalem for, for a festival. He's traveling home. He's an important official. The reason that Kandake is, is um, important is she's the sister of the king. But in their culture, the next king would be her offspring. It's um, a matrilineal succession. So she's a really important person. She has her own court. She has her own property. She plays a very important role in the, in the life of the nation. And this man is her treasurer. He's been to Jerusalem for a festival. He's on his way home. He's probably in a cart pulled by oxen. So when you read about Philip running to him, you know, Philip is not necessarily a, you know, um, 
a superb sprinter. This is trundling along. It's trundling along from Jerusalem. It's going to go across to the coast, and then it's going to go down the coastal road back to modern-day Sudan through Egypt and so on. And um, a lot of people have been interested in this passage because of something that it says right at the end uh, about Philip being seemingly whisked away. Uh, This is just a little teaser. I'll deal with this later. Verse 39, it says, When they came out of the water, the Spirit suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch didn't see him again. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus. Uh, Is this teleporting? People are, are asking. I don't think so. I'm going to explain why later. So let's just have a look at this passage and think, what does this teach us about how the gospel crosses to people and how maybe God can use us? There's a lot in this about us learning to work with the Holy Spirit. And I want to just focus on three things about how Philip um, deals with this encounter. Before I do... There's something really, in, and some really interesting background to this passage. If you read forward in the Acts of the Apostles and come to Acts 21, you realize that the author of the Acts of the Apostles, who is Luke, also wrote Luke's Gospel, actually stayed at the house of Philip. So, um, Acts chapter 21, verses 8 to 10, I'll just read it. There are certain passages in the Acts of the Apostles which, rather than talk about they did this or Paul did this, say we did this. And at those points, you know that Luke, who was a doctor, traveled around with Paul on some of his missions, was actually present. So Acts 21, it says this. um, leaving, um, Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist. One of the seven, one of the seven deacons who uh, were chosen in (coughs) the early days of the church. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Imagine what this house is like. The the, the dad's an evangelist, the the, the daughters are prophets, and uh, they stayed there just a few days, and this other prophet guy, Agabus, turns up. This is kind of a, it's a spiritual hotspot, and Luke has stayed there. And I imagine Luke talking with Philip over breakfast one day. Pass the olives, will you? I, I, have I told you about how I, uh, how I met this Ethiopian? And then the story comes out. And so I don't know whether he had notebooks. You know, he's thinking, oh, well, I'll, I'll use that in my second volume. Uh, but Luke was hearing this, probably heard this story firsthand. And so some of the details in it go right back to that visit in Caesarea. Here are three things that I notice And I think that these are three things that Luke would have noticed as Philip told the story. The first is this. Philip is a guy who knows how to be obedient to God even with very little information. So let's look at verse 26. Acts 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a pretty vague instruction. Philip is conducting a very successful campaign in Samaria, but he has this instruction to go down to a certain road in the desert. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I tend to want a bit more detail. Uh, and the problem is that if, when you wait around for more detail, say, okay, I've got step one, but can you just give me steps two and three, please, before I set out, you tend not to move. I'll give you an example from my life this past week. The angel of the Lord said to Steve Sylvester, uh, the angel of the Lord in this case being Jane Sylvester, <laughs> you've just heard, you've just heard that um, that neighbor of ours is very ill. Are you going to go and see him? To which Steve Sylvester says to the angel of the Lord, uh, yes, I'm going to phone. So he phones and he talks to this guy and he talks to his wife and says, when I've got a minute, I'm coming round. Two days later, Steve Sylvester gets the message that this guy has died and he hasn't been. Now I could repeat stories like that many, many times in my life. Where God speaks, and by the way, the angel of the Lord, when we read about it, it's, it means the messenger of the Lord. It, I, I don't think we should get fixated on it, you know, was it, did it have a six wing, six feet wingspan? It's just, this is how God speaks to Philip. And you know how God speaks to you. And I know how God speaks to me. And the point is, I don't always respond. I'm waiting. Well, give me a bit more information. You know, let me just check my diary. But Philip is someone who responds straight away. And the thing is, when you learn to respond straight away, things happen. So he sets out on very little information. And I think, as Luke listened to Philip tell that story, he would be thinking, that's a bit like Jesus. Jesus emerged from the desert full of the... Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit leads him on mission. You are like Jesus, Philip. You're, you're acting like Jesus. You're responding to the Spirit. I can see how in my first volume, I don't know whether he'd written it by then, in, you know, there are parallels between the behavior of Jesus and the behavior of you, Philip. Responding to the Spirit when you've got very little information. So I just want to encourage you, friends, Brothers and sisters, today, you know, we, this week, we, things are going to crop up. We are going to get those little nudges from the Holy Spirit. And we can either act on them, or we can say, sorry, I need to check my diary, or I need a bit more information. And we may miss what God is leading us to. Let's not do that. You see, you don't have to be a super evangelist. You just need to follow those little prompts. The second thing I notice is that when Philip goes and he sees uh, the chariot, let me just read from verse uh, 27. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Oh, by the way, Ethiopian is a word that was just used to mean black African. And eunuch, well, he might have been a eunuch because he was serving in the court of the queen. And it may have culturally felt that the queen was safer surrounded by, uh, by people who'd been castrated. So it may, he may have been. But equally, 
the term eunuch could just be a, a court official. But anyway, he worked for the queen. Uh, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandaki, which means the queen of the Ethiopians, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Then there comes the next thing. Verse 29. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. That's an interesting instruction, isn't it? Just go to this chariot and stay near. Get alongside this person. And so he does. And he starts to listen. And the Ethiopian official is reading. Now, it may have been that he had the scroll and he was reading it himself because in, the, in that time... It was very common when you were reading to read aloud, or he may have had a servant reading it to him. But he, he, he gets alongside, and he listens, and he hears this man reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, as we now know, and he tunes him to what's going on. And I think as Luke was listening to Philip tell his story, he'd be thinking... That reminds me of how Jesus sent out the apostles. Because in my first volume, chapter 9 and chapter 10, I write about Jesus sending out the apostles. And he says, you go and find a person of peace and you stay with them. You get alongside them and stay with them. That's the method. Isn't it interesting? Philip's doing that. And I think... That's probably not too difficult for us to do. You see, the, the reason many of us get so tied up in knots when it comes to evangelism or sharing our faith is that we're always thinking about what we are going to say. But actually what the Spirit is saying is, go, get alongside, and listen to what he's saying. So he does. It's easy, isn't it? I wonder how many of us this week will get a nudge from the Spirit, say, go to such a place or get alongside so-and-so and listen, and we're in a good position to see what he's going to do next. He's reading this passage from Isaiah 53, and um, I don't know whether it had a particular relevance to him. Let me just read it to you. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. I wonder whether he's thinking, gosh, there are times I have to keep my mouth zipped in the court of Kandake. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? I wonder if he was thinking, yeah, there's a justice issue that... It's affecting me. Or maybe he was a eunuch and he was thinking, well, I'm not going to have any descendants. I've been deprived of descendants. And he, his question to Philip is, who is this prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or someone else? And it's not an obvious question when you're reading this, but that is the question that Philip takes. He doesn't say, oh, just forget that. You know, if you read a bit further in Isaiah 53, you come to a more interesting bit. Let me just tell you about it. He starts exactly 
where the guy is. That's what it says. Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So I wonder whether that is something that we also can do. Get alongside people. Listen to them. Answer the questions they have, not the questions we think they should have. And take it from there. The third thing I notice is that in this passage, there are always developments along the way. It's an interesting phrase, or phrases like it crop up. So let me just read to you from verse 37, 27. Sorry. He started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, verse 28. And on his way home, the Ethiopian is on his way home, he was sitting in a chariot reading. And then verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water, what can stand in the way of my being baptized? Things are happening along the way. And I think that, as, uh, I think that Luke does that deliberately. I think he because he recognizes that in the ministry of Jesus, things happen along the way. So in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is on his way into a town called Nain, and he meets a widow about to bury her only son. Or in chapter 19, he's on his way passing through Jericho, and he meets Zacchaeus. Things happen along the way. And... Um, I don't know about you, but one thing that happened to me during the pandemic is I missed those on-the-way type events because on-the-way meant going from the kitchen to my study and sitting under, in front of a screen all day and going from one Zoom meeting to the next and uh, not having those margins. And sometimes uh, my life is so busy that I don't have the margins for things to happen along the way. And maybe you're the same. You know, just the way we plan our diaries or the way we do transport. So, you know, Jane and I and, and our daughter Amy walked into West Bridgeford yesterday and on the way we saw a beautiful tree in a, someone's garden and we start, stood and looked at it and the guy popped up from behind the wall and it was David, a guy I knew. Didn't know you lived there, David. And... We went and we had a coffee, and the guy getting coffee or paying uh, just in front of me was Richard. Oh, hello, Richard. I cycle with Richard sometimes. Oh, this is my wife. Are things happening along the way? And sometimes, you know, when we, we organize our, our, our lives so that we just kind of dash into the car, into our, our little personal space, and that's it and we don't see anyone until we arrive, it, things don't happen along the way, except maybe we get a bit of a road rage. So there's something here, I think, for me about just making space in my life for things to happen along the way. Maybe, you know, not going from a, a meeting that finishes at 10 o'clock to another one that starts at one minute's past, but having 15 minutes in between, or... Well, you translate that into your life. But things can happen along the way. So we come to the end of the, of the passage and um, where Philip is apparently whisked away. Is it teleporting? Well, I don't think so. Because I think what Luke is doing throughout this passage, he's saying, 
You know, Philip, you're just like Jesus. You know, Philip, you're just behaving just like the apostles when Jesus sent them out. And you know, Philip, you are just like the prophets who had a reputation. Elijah had a reputation. Obadiah says to him, I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you and leave you. Was he talking about teleporting? I don't think so. I think he was just saying, hey, you are someone who's blown along by the wind of the Spirit. The prophets developed this reputation of just turning up here, there, and everywhere. And so does Philip. Now, your life may be a lot more structured than that. And I don't know about you, you, you may think, would I have liked to have been with Luke and um, visited Philip's house? Or would it have freaked me out, this evangelist guy and these four prophetic daughters? Maybe that would freak me out, freak you out. Or maybe you're someone who'd think, yeah, take me there. I'd love to be that in, in, in that environment. Maybe you are, you know, you are an evangelist. Or you have an apostolic kind of calling to be, to be going and starting new things. If that is you, I want you to send me an email. Because I want to gather together people like that over the coming season. And do some training and releasing so that you can be released in that ministry. And uh, so if that's you, if there's something in your heart that says, I would love to be in that environment because I think I'm a bit of an evangelist, then please contact me. However, you may not be. You may be a quieter person. You may be someone who would be freaked out by being in that house, staying overnight. But you know what? You can still respond to the Holy Spirit before you have all the information. You can still get alongside people and listen to them and then respond. You can still be somebody who is opening, open to things happening along the way as you journey through life. Now, I don't know what this last week has been like for you, but do you think that next week would be a bit more exciting if it was like that? Wouldn't it be great if we come together or meet online and we have some stories to tell along the way? Maybe not quite as dramatic as Philip's, but similar. Because the same spirit who was at work in Philip's life, the same spirit who was at work in Jesus' life, the same spirit at work in the apostles' life, the same spirit at work in our lives today, if we just allow ourselves to be blown along by the spirit. Let's pray. Father, I want to say I'm sorry that I miss the prompts of your Spirit so often because I'm too busy or because it's not convenient or because you haven't given me enough information. And uh, I want to commit myself this coming week, Lord, to be more open to you, to be blown along by the Spirit, to have those Events happen in the margins of my life. Would you join with me in saying, making that prayer your own today? And let us 
meet again with stories to tell. In Jesus' name, amen.